Let's pray together. Our gracious, merciful God, and our loving Heavenly Father, we come to worship Thee, the everlasting God, the creator of all things, and we thank Thee that we can address Thee as the God of our salvation, for our precious Redeemer and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. O gracious Father, we thank thee for such a Savior. We thank thee for sins forgiven, for peace with thee through our blessed Lord Jesus. And O Lord, we ask afresh that thou would wash us clean of our many sins. And O Lord, come now by the power and gracious presence of thy Holy Spirit. And Lord, draw our hearts and our minds by faith to the things pertaining to all that our Saviour has done for us in laying down his life for us. O Lord, that our worship may be sincere. And O Lord, that thou may be pleased to receive our petitions and our prayers. And O Lord, as we come to open thy scriptures, thy holy word, O Lord, feed us with that living bread that we may be built up in our most holy faith, that we may have that food for the soul in this coming week, Lord, that we may look to thee by faith. O Lord, come now, we beseech thee, and be pleased to bless us all. We ask these petitions in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our dear Saviour, and for his sake. Amen. Let's sing our first hymn, hymn number 152. Hymn number 152. Tis the church triumphant singing, worthy the Lamb.
to the Romans, chapter 12. The letter to the Romans, chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not this same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth, on teaching. Or he that exhorteth, on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, with diligence. He that showeth mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. May the Lord again grant us a blessing from the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Our gracious, merciful Father, O Lord, we are ever amazed at the access we have to thee, the creator of the universe, the God who spoke into existence this world and We see the wonders of creation and we with the psalmist declare O Lord that thou alone art the true and living God and the heavens declare thy glory and thy majesty and that we Lord even we who are but dust and ashes that yet through our Lord Jesus Christ our prayers are received into thy very presence O Lord we thank thee for such privileges we have as thy blood bought children we thank thee gracious Father that thou art a God full of compassion and mercy, and thou hast revealed thyself to us. Thou hast manifested thyself, O Lord, by the second person of the glorious Trinity, the Saviour, coming to this world. 
and we thank thee Lord for our sinless saviour his perfect life and his sacrifice on the cross that atoning for our sins Lord we thank thee for everlasting life and we thank thee that even now as thy children we have thy Holy Spirit O Lord by whom we have access to thee thou dost help us with our prayers thou dost give light and understanding in thy word O Lord before that day when we came to our Saviour none of these things made sense but we thank thee Lord that thou hast drawn us to the Saviour by faith we thank thee Lord for the many privileges we have as thy dear children we thank thee for the many promises we have in thy word we thank thee for thy determination and jealous care for us and that work which thou hast started in us thou art determined to complete until the day our Saviour comes to gather us to himself O Lord we thank thee that nothing can separate us in this life nor angels nor nothing can separate us from the love of our God through our Lord Jesus Christ we thank thee that thou will never leave us nor forsake us O Lord how numerous are thy promises toward us and Lord we pray that thou would help us to live as we ought to live as thy people in this world help us to be lights in this dark world Lord help us not to be ashamed of the gospel grant us courage in these dark days Lord days of increasing hostility towards thy truth O Lord that we may not be ashamed to own our saviour and all that he has done for our needy souls Lord even in these days grant us great boldness and courage to make known our saviour to point others to the Lamb of God who alone takes away the sins of the world Lord bless us as thy people we pray in our places of work in our places of study in the home O oh, Lord that we may be our conversation may be seasoned with grace that we may be more like our Saviour that we may grow in grace that we may be more patient more long-suffering more greater self-control O oh, Lord greater burden for those around us who do not know the Saviour oh Lord bless us indeed that we may have spiritual priorities and that we by faith may ever live in the light of eternity and oh Lord we pray for this nation and this land and Lord we think of how far away it has drifted from the gospel from the scriptures and Lord we pray for our leaders that thou would open their eyes and help them to see the folly of rejecting the living God and to see the damaging consequences of allowing thy laws to be trampled underfoot oh Lord we pray that thou would have mercy on our leaders have mercy on the rising generation and on the masses and at such a time as this Lord strengthen thy people grant us the help and the unction of the Holy Spirit bless every dear servant of thine even this Lord's day as they make Calvary known oh Lord that precious souls may be brought to the Savior that thou would grant thy mighty saving work in many lives even this day Lord we pray for other lands we pray particularly for lands where there is persecution and hostility towards thee we think of so many of our brethren at this present time who meet in secret for fear of their meetings being violently interrupted we think of thy dear servants who are in prison and have been prison for so long oh Lord we pray as bound with them 
O Lord, grant them freedom and deliverance if it please thee. But O Lord, thou hast promised to ever be with thy people, be a very present help in their persecutions and troubles, and so bless their testimony and their witness, Lord, that their stand for thee and their suffering for thee may not be in vain, and that thy word may not be bound, but thou may work in many lives through their witness. O bless and use them mightily and comfort them and grant them the unusual and mighty help of the Holy Spirit in such difficult circumstances that the Saviour may be glorified. Lord, we do pray for thy people in this place. We think for those who are going through particular difficulty and trials, whether it's sickness or other afflictions, and those who perhaps cannot be with us this evening due to ill health. Lord, we pray that thou will grant thy healing hand and thou will grant great comfort and help and blessing. O Lord, we remember them in prayer and we pray that thou would undertake for them. And Lord, we ask now that as thou would also heal us of our many sins, Lord, cleanse us afresh from the sins of the past week and Lord, we thank thee that thou hast given us promises promises that thou will work that work of grace in us that we may be conformed continually into the image of thy son being more like him oh lord we pray that thou would help us to have these spiritual priorities that we may desire to grow in holiness to grow in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ lord grant us that help in the coming weeks and months to be to walk worthy of this vocation And, O Lord, as we come to thy word now, we pray that thou will grant us mighty comfort and consolation. Grant us that living bread. Help us to see our Lord Jesus by faith. O Lord, that we may be encouraged and helped in this coming week. O Lord, we look to thee now by faith, anticipating a mighty blessing from thy word. We bring all these petitions to thee and ask these mercies in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our dear Saviour and for his glory. Amen. Let's sing our third hymn, hymn number 783. Hymn number 783. O thou who camest from above, the pure celestial fire to impart.
turning now in the Word of God to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12 and verse 12. Romans chapter 12 and reading verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And my title for this evening's message is Spiritual Momentum. Spiritual Momentum for the Christian life. And surely this is what we see in this exhortation. In the keeping of this exhortation, we're given mighty spiritual momentum in our pilgrim journey. And this was indeed um, the Apostles' uh, purpose, and of course it was the Spirit's purpose, to encourage the people of God. At that particular time, this was written, this letter was written around AD 56. The Apostle Paul was in Corinth when he wrote this letter. It was towards the end of his third missionary journey. And at that particular time, um, Nero, Emperor Nero, he had been on on the throne, he had been um, not for too long, he had just become the Roman Emperor and it was very difficult to be a Christian in those days, he had just started to rule and as of yet when this letter was written uh, persecution against Christians had not yet begun, but it was coming Uh, that, that is, persecution from the Imperial Rome had not yet been initiated, but it would come soon it was on the horizon But even before that happened, being a Christian in the first century was very difficult. It was was far from easy. As I'm sure you know that Rome, or the ancient world, but especially Rome, had a large slave population. And uh, Christians, some of the Christians were slaves. In fact, many of them, many of the Christians would have come from a background of slavery. And some of the Christians would have had to have given up their trade because in those days a lot of their trade was associated with their worshipping of their gods or their pagan gods so they would have had to have given up their trade as well many Christians so it was a very difficult time for believers so they needed such spiritual stimulation and encouragement and here we see it in the form of this wonderful exhortation the spiritual momentum Uh, these exhortations were very much needed for them but they needed for us as well, dear brothers and sisters, because we are living in perilous times and we see the storm clouds gathering in the future. I'm speaking spiritually, of course. As I'm sure you know, you've heard about this conversion therapy which they're trying to uh, pass through. They're trying to get it legalized. And if that was to come into law, um, or if it was to come into law how the these people are trying to push it how they would like it then it would be illegal for us as Christians to do many things that we take for granted now Um, so the exhortations like this are very helpful for believers in in our day as well and I'm sure you'll agree with me once we delve into this into this verse we'll be primarily looking at the first exhortation in this verse this verse is made up of three exhortations I think that's fairly obvious You have rejoicing in hope, that is rejoicing in that blessed hope that we anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and being in glory. That's the first exhortation. The second exhortation is being patient in tribulation. And the third one, of course, is continuing instant or persevering continually in prayer. So, but we'll primarily this, this evening be looking at that first exhortation, rejoicing in hope. And then with the time we have left, we'll see how it relates to the other exhortations in the verse, because they're very much linked together, these exhortations. And the reason why I want to focus on this first exhortation this evening, rejoicing is hope, because we as preachers, we, we do like to encourage the flock of God to live in the light of this hope. We as Christians, we must live in the light of that great and coming day. But maybe there are people in you know, Christians might be thinking, well, how do I do that? Um, when, when it comes to the topic of heaven, I, I don't know what to think about. Uh, it's hard to get excited about heaven. What do I think about preacher? Maybe this might be something that a new Christian struggles with. He doesn't know a lot about what the Bible teaches about heaven. And how do I reflect, therefore, on, on heaven? So I thought this would be a helpful study, uh, not only to exhort us as believers to ref to rejoice in this hope, but how do we actually do it? What, what, what practical way can we employ to rejoice in this hope? And so we will endeavor to do this in, in, this, stu in this study. And of course, the, the best way to do this is to see what Scripture teaches about heaven. What does Scripture teach about heaven? Because if we're exhorted to rejoice in this hope, we can be sure that the Scriptures give us plenty to think about. So we'll look at these things. Firstly, it's, it's important to recognize that we're not given explicit details on what heaven actually looks like. Now, there are passages, for example, in the book of Revelation, where we're given, um, we have the vis visions of John, and we, we're given these visions of what heaven is like. We're given, given these pictures. There's the gates of pearls, pearl, made of pearl, and so on. Um, but we must exercise caution when we come to these passages because they are, after all, they're visions. They are visions and they're shrouded in symbolism. We can learn a great deal about what heaven will be like. There's so much spiritual lessons we can take away from these passages, but not necessarily what heaven will look like. And even the Apostle Paul was not allowed to utter any information on what he saw when he was caught up into the heavens. 2 Corinthians chapter. 13, he was taken up to the heavenly realms and he had a glimpse of heaven and he was not allowed to tell anyone what he saw. Because how can we understand it in, in this sinful body of flesh? So there's a great deal that these passages teach about heaven in the book of Revelation. And the only reason why I'm not going to it this evening is because I cannot, I cannot cover these passages in a single study. I cannot, I cannot um, really do justice to these wonderful passages of scripture in a single study that wouldn't be possible at least for myself so uh, but there's other places we can go in concerning this great hope that we have through our savior the lord jesus christ and surely the best way to rejoice in this hope is by contemplating the reality the wonderful reality of seeing our savior face to face in his majesty and glory this is no mystical exercise. Don't close your eyes and try to imagine what the scene will look like. No, we don't do that when we think about being with our Savior. We, it's done by faith. 
we come to the we come to the scriptures this is how we anticipate being with our savior we reflect upon all that the scriptures reveal to us about the lord jesus christ we reflect we think of his different offices we think about the things he said we think about the things he done in his life we think about the prophecies we, there's so there's so much ground to cover concerning our sa- savior it's from cover to cover in the in the script in the scriptures but of course a good place to start would be the gospels because there we have explicit information concerning our precious savior so let's have a look at just some verses and we'll see how this is a mighty help concerning our meditating reflecting on this glorious hope that is before us so i'm just going to pick a few a few passages in the gospels and i'll make some comments first of all we'll just briefly look at you can you can turn to them if you want but you, you can make reference but i'll just bring up a few passages matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through to 30 you know these passages i'm sure they're so wonderful jesus compassionate appeal to needy souls listen to these words come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light i will give you rest for your souls how will he give me rest for my soul by taking my burden himself my yoke is easy the only reason why why my yoke is easy The only reason why I'm a forgiven person and I'm on the way to heaven is because my Lord Jesus Christ took my hell on that cross. My burden is easy because he took my excruciating heavy burden on the cross. He is my burden bearer and one day I will see my burden bearer face to face. In uh the first letter of John chapter 3 we're told we shall see him as he is. and we will be so changed with a glorious resurrection body that we'll be able to drink in all the glory and the majesty of his person and perpetually drink in his loving kindness towards us what will it be like but these are wonderful things we can contemplate i will see him the one who took my sin upon his own shoulders and bore that excruciating eternal weight of punishment remember that wonderful christmas hymn thou who was rich beyond all splendor all for love's sake became as poor i will see him i will be with him i just turn your attention to another passage of scripture john chapter 10 verses 27 through to 28 this wonderful passage concerning the lord jesus christ being our great shepherd my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand read the first verse i know them the creator of the universe has a personal interest in me i i don't have any hearing with the queen of england or the prime minister or the presidents of this world but i have access and i have a hearing with my creator and he knows me on a very intimate and personal le- level but it gets better listen neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand if anyone ever tells you that you can lose your salvation and this is you have this the 
these teachings in some Christian circles. This verse is a nail in the coffin concerning that ridiculous notion. If I'm a true Christian, no one can snatch me out of my Savior's hands. This is the perseverance of the saints. But neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What is the Savior saying? We learn here that our Savior, the triune God, has a jealous care for each and every one of his sheep. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I have a jealous care for each and every one of my children. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was praying to the Lord. He was in great anxiety. He was longing for the Lord to honor his promise that after 70 years, he would um, let his pe- he would open that door for his people to return to Jerusalem. And he was interceding on behalf of the nation and repenting of his own sins. And while he was doing so, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the angel of the Lord greeted him by saying the following, O Daniel, thou art greatly beloved. O Daniel, you are well known in heaven. You are loved and you are appreciated in heaven. And it's the same with us. This is the sentiments of God towards each and every one of his children. And you may be unknown in this world. You may be despised as a Christian, but you're well known in heaven. You're loved in heaven. So we reflect upon these passages of scriptures and we derive great comfort knowing that our Savior anticipates being with us. Uh, These things are wonderful to consider. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldest die for me? Well, one more quotation from the Gospels. And this is uh, the Lord's amazing high priestly prayer, that prayer of intercession for his people in John chapter 17, verse 24. Listen to this. I wish I could read the whole chapter, but I just would, for time I can't. But just verse 24, the wonderful things he, he prays for concerning his people. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, so desires to, to gather all his children together to be with him forever. He is anticipating, that's not the only reference, I can take it to Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy of being with his people in eternity, he was willing, he was willing to endure the shame, the humiliation, the crucifixion. And here as well, the the Lord prays to his Father of that, that prayer of being with his people, desiring to be with his people, and we can share, we can be, we can drink in his glory and his love for eternity. When David in Psalm 17, David was reflecting upon heaven, I'm pretty sure of this, and he said this, in thy presence is fullness of joy, at thy right hand are pleasures evermore. And we with the Apostle Paul can rejoice and we can say death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We as Christians, like everyone else, we go through disappointments and troubles in life and we have other difficulties and experiences that no one else has because we're attacked by the devil. In our mind, we have the fiery darts assailing us all the time. 
but we reflect that one day these things will come to a grinding halt and we will be ushered into the presence of our precious Savior. So this is how we rejoice in this hope that is set before us. It's not a vague exhortation. It's not a mystical experience. It requires deep thought concerning all that we know about our Savior. And all that we know about our Savior is contained in the Scriptures. So we reflect upon His words. Never man spake like this man. His words are unique. His words are wonderful. His words alone can give me that encouragement, can, give, can encourage me to um, serve Him, can encourage his words alone can heal my broken heart. That's Charles Wesley in one of his hymns, which we will sing later. And this is often how we feel, don't we? When we do grieve the Lord, when we do disappoint Him at times, um, when we say things we shouldn't say, or we disappoint Him in many ways and we're cast down, and we're like that leper of old. Lord, if Thou will, Thou can make me clean. And the Lord touches the leper Imagine what the crowd thought. He touched the leper. I will be thou clean. And that's the attitude he has each and every... He looks at that lep leper with such compassion and such love. And that's how he looks at each and every, in every one of his dear children. When we come to the throne of grace, Lord, forgive me. I've been a fool. I never should have said this. My attitude was wrong here. Lord, forgive me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So we reflect upon these things. And we continually remind ourselves when we do so that one day I will be in the presence of my blessed Savior who said this, who did that. That's how we rejoice in this hope. And there's so much to reflect upon. Not just his words. His words are wonderful. They're amazing. But the things that he did, his power over nature, his disciples were pan panicking with that raging sea, the Sea of Galilee. They were near to death. Lord, we perish. Do you not care that we perish? Peace be still and complete calm. What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. And the Lord has command over every difficulty of our life. And at a moment he can produce calm in our... Well, you've experienced this. If you're a seasoned Christian, you've known this to be true. When you've been in great turmoil and difficulty, the Lord may not have delivered you out of the trial, but you've prayed for help and the Lord has given you great peace. Has he not? You've experienced that as a Christian. That's the Lord helping you, blessing you throughout life's journey. So we think of his power over nature. We think of his power over death, raising Lazarus from the death and conquering death himself. His power over need, providing, uh, multiplying the fishes and the bread to feed all those people. He caters for every department of our life. His power over Satan. The demons were terrified of him. The demons, demons had a, or Satan had a, had a domineering, um, they, he dominated the lives of so many people. People, so many people were possessed by demons at that time. It was an unusually active satanic um, uh, period. At that, it was, it was a preparation for the coming of the Lord. It was a manifestation of the Lord's power because when the demons saw him, they were terrified. They knew who he was, his power over Satan. His, consider his wisdom. Consider the wisdom of our Savior. You see it demonstrated time and time again in the, in the Gospels, how he completely outwitted the religious leaders again and again. And you think of the, the religious leaders were constantly plotting and planning how to bring him down, how to get him 
how to get him into trouble with the Romans. The questions and the scenarios they were, and they must have plotted these things for months. They must have had meetings. How are we going to trap him? How are we going to trap him in his words? And you think of that one occasion where they orchestrated this plan, this woman taken in adultery. Uh, if, he, if he says that we should stone him according to the law of Moses, then we can take him to the Romans and we can get him arrested. He, we're not allowed to, to exercise our own law and we can get him into trouble with the Romans. But if he says, no, we shouldn't, then we can say, oh, you're a fraud. You're contradicting what the scriptures, the scriptures teach. And they thought, we've got him. We've got him. He cannot get out of this. But he can turn it the complete way around. And they are, they are the ones who are, who are trapped in their own trap. The wisdom of the, we would have, no one could have dealt with these question, questions. These were clever men. But not only did he evade their traps, but he turned the spotlight upon them. They were clever men, but they were foolish. They didn't realize that they were trying to outwit their own creator, the one who had created the, their brains. So we marvel at our Savior's wisdom. We marvel at his power. We marvel at his precious words. His miracles, his omniscience, we see that, or his, we see that in the Gospels as well, where he reads the minds of his enemies, and he reads the minds of his disciples at times. So we look at the wonderful details of our Savior's life, and we can go beyond the Gospels, and we can see how Christ is seen in in other aspects of the Scriptures, the prophecies, the the sacrificial. Uh, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, how Christ is there, and many other places in the scriptures. And while we're doing so, we're constantly reminding ourselves, one day I will be with him. When I reflect upon this, I will be with him who did this, who said that, in what I learn about him in, in this passage of scripture. So, this is, this is how we rejoice, dear brothers and sisters, in this hope. We reflect upon our Savior and remind ourselves that we will be with him we will be with him soon and that he longs to be with us and he he anticipates it well he it's a sad thing to say but he anticipates it more than we do isn't that sad that he anticipates to be with us more than we do we can our love can be so cold at times so to be with Christ will truly be heaven for us the lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land that wonderful hymn so I've only just scratched the surface of the scriptures that we can look at. I've only just picked three passages of scripture from the Gospels. Uh, there's so much more we can cover. We can be here until midnight. We can be here for days concerning all that our Savior did and all that we learn in the scriptures. But let's just look at some other details concerning this great hope before us. I turn your attention to Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And later on in that passage, he goes on, the Lord goes on to say, these things are faithful and true. These things will certainly come to pass. Even as we see to the very minutest detail, all the prophecies of the Old Testament, how the Savior came the first time, every single prophecy was faithfully fulfilled to the very letter where he would be born 
and all these other details, they were faithfully fulfilled. And so it'll be the case with his second, second coming. Think of that glorious great and coming day when our Savior will burst upon the scenes. You see the great contrast now, how the, how the Lord Jesus Christ is despised and hated by this world. His, word, his name is constantly blasphemed. His name, his teachings are dragged through the mud. But that will not always be the case. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will be forced to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We as God's children will rejoice on that day and we with alacrity will bow and worship our Lord with great adoration and praise. But others will bow the knee in utter terror and fear and trembling, wishing for death to come upon them. But it will be too late. They will be... We learn in Revelation chapter 6, hide us from the face of the wrath of the Lamb. People will be terrified, but they will be forced to bow before their Creator. And they will realize the folly of rejecting the living God and His saving grace. But for us, it will be a day of untold joy and exhilaration and excitement. And that excitement will only grow. He will come with the clouds of heaven. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, even they that pierced him, and all the earth shall wail because of him. The angels will come and gather, they will, all the angels will come and gather every Christian, every child of God, and will escort every Christian to meet the Lord in the air. We will see our Savior in the clouds. We will be escorted by the angels to see our Savior in the air. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, says the Apostle Paul, and we should. He will come in a twinkle of an... It'll happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. In an instant, he will come. Like a thief in the night. As we grow older, as we grow in our walk with the Lord, do you often feel the things that you did when you were younger? You did with simplicity, you didn't give it any thought, but now as you grow older, these things become more arduous and exhausting. Well, listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 through to 44 concerning the resurrection of believers this is not speaking of believers and unbelievers it's referring particularly to believers the resurrection of believers so also is the resurrection of the dead that is believers it is sown in corruption we have a corruptible body because of sin it is raised in incorruption we will receive a resurrected body it will be a physical body but at the same time it will be a spiritual body it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. We're buried in the dirt. How dishonorable. Well, if I'm a Christian, it's not because that won't be, that won't be forever. It's sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Our bodies get weaker until eventually they collapse. It is raised in power. With this resurrected body, you'll never feel fatigue again, never feel weak. All these things have passed away. It is sown a natural body. It has raised a spiritual body. Make no mistake that the bodies that we will receive in glory at the end of the age, they will be physical. They will be physical, but they'll be spiritual at the same time. And that wonderful prophecy of Job. You know, Job prophesied concerning the Lord Jesus Christ coming in glory. He saw his, the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And Job, Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. Job lived around, we would uh, 
assume he lived around the time of the patriarch Abraham. But listen to what Job said. That's 4,000 years ago. And look what Job said about the Messiah, about Christ. Job chapter 19, verses 25 through the 27. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. He's talking about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He will have his body will be resurrected. It will be physical. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eye shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. So what a wonderful exhortation this is, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, that is, enduring under great pressure. And now that, now we can see how helpful this first exhortation is. When I'm rejoicing in hope, it will be such a mighty stimulation in all the troubles and difficulties that I go through as a Christian. It'll be such a help. My burden will be that much lighter if I'm reflecting upon glory, if I'm reflecting upon being with my Savior. Patient in tribulation. Patient. What, what am I being? Why am I patient? What am I waiting for? I'm waiting for that great hope to come to fruition. Now, the application of this is, is the following, that we as Christians, we're not setting our hopes and affections in this world, in this life. We're merely traveling through this world. Now we must be patient. Now is a time of spiritual warfare. Now is a time of service. Our great rest and our great hope and expectation is reserved for the next life. Of course, God has given us many things to enjoy in this life. We can appreciate and we can be thankful for the many natural blessings that God gives us. Family, friends, rest and re recreation and things of this kind. But if I am reflecting upon this great hope, my greatest affections, the things that excite me the most, will be of a spiritual nature. That should be the case if I'm a Christian. That should be what I'm most excited about things of the spiritual nature, being among God's people, reading the scriptures, serving the Lord, these are the things which should excite me the most, and my greatest affections and joys are reserved for these things. That should be the case. When troubles and difficulties come our way as Christians, and if I'm not rejoicing in this hope, if I'm not reflecting upon heaven and being with the Savior, if I don't have this anticipation, but instead I look to the broken systems of this world. That's what can happen sometimes as Christians. We can allow the things of this world to so distract us. Well, when troubles and difficulties do come, don't be surprised if you're overwhelmed by these troubles and difficulties. Don't, control, don't be surprised if you, if you end up complaining a lot about how difficult things are. And, it, and sometimes we can go through very difficult things and we must, and of course, we must be sympathetic with one another. But... Sometimes it happens where I'm irritable all the time. This is so, oh, if only you knew how difficult it was. This keeps happening to me, and life is so hard. Well, if I'm reflecting, if I'm rejoicing in the hope, God will so help me. Do not underestimate, dear brothers and sisters, the divine power that comes with obeying this exhortation. By obeying this exhortation, by rejoicing in this hope, my difficulties and, and problems well, I'll be given such grace to bear them if I follow this exhortation. Rejoicing in hope, patient, tribula patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, 
that is persevering continually in prayer with the many trials that we go through as believers in the endeavoring to maintain this hope in living in the light of the day when our Savior returns. Uh, the exhortation to uh, rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. The studying of the word. Being fruitful in his service. Uh, living, endeavoring to live a holy life. The war against sin. None of the, We will fail in all these things without the lifeline of prayer. And I believe that's why that exhortation is given last. It under, prayer undergirds everything. Because the flesh is weak, therefore we need to persevere in prayer. It undergirds all our duties in life. The reading of the scriptures, serving the Lord, these are all, they all need to be perpetually watered with prayer. And it's old, And when Christians, when we, if I'm a praying Christian and, I, and my life is centered around prayer, well that's a, the ultimate manifestation that I depend upon my Lord. I depend upon Him. The more I pray, the more I realize that without my Lord Jesus Christ, I can do nothing. I must depend upon Him. I turn to Him in prayer in my times of devotion, but not just my time of de devotion. I increasingly, as the years go on, I, I realize how much I need Him. I often send Him emergency prayers throughout the day before I, in, before I go to a meeting, before I do certain things, before I go on a journey constantly sending up emergency prayers or I'm thanking him for safe journeys I'm in communion with my saviour throughout the day persevering in prayer and lastly when I do pray make sure and we have many requests that we bring before the throne of grace but make sure one of your requests is Lord help me to reflect upon that great day when I will be with thee Make sure that is one of your... It's here, it's an exhortation. We're exhorted to rejoice in this hope. And it's not the only place where we're exhorted to do this. There are other places in the, in the scriptures where we were exhorted to reflect upon this great hope. So make sure it's one of your prayer requests. Lord, help me to reflect upon heaven. Help me to live in, that, in the hope of that great day. And it'll mightily help you. It'll be a great spiritual momentum in your walk as a Christian. It'll help you mightily. Well, I hope that our brief look on how we can practically look forward to the return of our dear Saviour and the glorious pro prospect of being with Him in eternity will give us that spiritual momentum we need in our Christian walk. May that be the case with each and every one of us. Amen. turn now to our last hymn, hymn number 613, hymn number 613, thou hidden source of calm repose, thou all sufficient love divine.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.